Hello and welcome to the iGeeks Vlog Show, an Apple exclusive podcast where we talk about teeny tiny, every possible information about the Apple ecosystem. I'm your host Rashanki, a marketing nerd who likes to eat, breathe, and survive on Apple content quite literally. In today's episode, we have some very interesting M1 revelations for you, so stay tuned. But before that, you have to connect with us on all our social media channels. The iGeeks blog is available across Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and Twitter as iGeeks blog. And you also have to like, share, follow, subscribe to whatever because the iGeeks blog show is available across every streaming platform of your choice. If you want to connect with me, you can just DM me on Instagram or hit me up on Clubhouse. I'm available as Harshanti with an extra hour. So today's episode is... Uh, Something that has been in the conversation for almost a year now and I believe this is the right time to discuss it because we have rumors about a new chip, a higher variant, a better, an upgrade coming to the market, so to say. Yes, in today's episode, I'm going to be discussing about M1 and the revolution and a lot of thought processes that followed behind it. So I'm sure you're pretty excited to know about the details, but let me give you a heads up. This is going to be a super nerdy, hard, hardcore, technical episode. So you might want to go grab your notepads to jot down the details. If not, you can stream it anytime across video or audio format or check out our exciting blogs on a similar topic on our website www.igeeksblog.com. So to start with, what is M1 Revolution and why is the world going crazy about it? Now, the chip has to have some technical expertise and probably is considered one of the best of the market. Not just because of the fact that Apple came up with its own chip, right? There has to be a lot more things that add up to that. Um, it's compact, it's it's very small, it has higher cores, etc., etc. So it's not just the fact that Apple took this step, but a lot more things added to that. However... It was in itself a very big deal. And this is, as I've discussed in the first few episodes, that Apple has a monopoly to, you know, get people to their ecosystem, get people accustomed to their ecosystem. And they want everything developing inside. Like, if we have a Marvel Universe, maybe 20 years from now, we'd have an Apple Universe as well. Who knows? Because Apple is also coming up with cars lately and there are rumors of Apple bikes. 20 years from now, if you're living in an Apple house, I wouldn't, I mean, it wouldn't really sound crazy like it is sounding at this hour. But it it was a pretty big deal when the announcements were made. And the first devices that came up was uh, October 2020. That was the M1-powered MacBook Air and M1-powered MacBook Pro. The moment the announcement was done, Apple made it very clear that in the next two years, they're going to make the transition from Intel chips to M1 chips. Was this a political move? Do they want to get Intel out of business? Do they want to end their partnership with Intel? Well, probably yes, but uh, you can see it coming. Like It is a forecast that we have. We may or may not see that happen, but it is not happening for sure in the coming decade because there are a lot of people still using Intel-powered devices and Apple Kansas have known to have a longer lifespan. I mean, I know a lot of friends have gotten their MacBook Airs and Pros in the year 2014 or 15, and they're working just fine. So though Apple has not um, completely been powered by M1 yet, 
I guess they're going to provide support for internships. They're not going to end any kind of assistance to internships in the next two years. I guess that should continue for a decade. But it doesn't change the fact that M1 blew the world by a storm. Okay. To start with, performances in both M1-powered MacBook Air and MacBook Pro have been phenomenal. They have beaten some of the highest processors in the market. They're faster than them. They're more compact. The device itself looks so sleek that it's not just the chip itself. A lot more things have added up to the benefits and a lot more industries are appreciating it. See, when you come up with a new gadget, when you come up with a new laptop or a new PC, there would be sects or cults appreciating it. Like there are certain gadgets which are appreciated a lot by, say, designers, certain gadgets only made for gamers. But the M1-powered MacBooks are the one that every sect, every cult, every industry has appreciated. And mind you, this is just the first generation. I mean, imagine having, having like, how, how would the f- future generations be that, that are going to be way more powerful than the existing generations and it's going to be a phenomenal experience. Apple did not stop here. Once they came up with this device, um, well, they had made it pretty clear that every Apple device is going to be covered, but they did not wait for longer. And in the next three months, we see the iMacs powered with M1. And then we see the iPad powered with M1. Like when these announcements were made, I had to like calm myself down because it was hard for me to believe that the same chip that you have in your MacBook is also present in your iPad. Does that mean both can do similar performances? Guess what? We have compared that as well. Although it may sound a little irrational, but it is possible. You can make a MacBook, you can make a laptop with the help of your iPad and the magic mouse and magic keyboard and it will work just fine. To, I mean, I'm not going to be getting into excruciating details right now, but we do have a blog written on it so you know what to do. Coming back to M1, after all these integrations, no, like different devices being equipped, the world was even thinking that if every Apple device is being upgraded to an M1 chip, would the iPhones also have an M1 chip? The thought is valid because who wouldn't think that, you know, with the devices coming and going and every device getting an M1 chip, it wouldn't be a bad idea if Apple has, instead of having different chips, they just have one unified chip. However, that is something that is uh, not going to happen. Like, first of all, it is physically impossible considering the sizes of the chips and a lot of other factors involved and you need to reduce a lot of things like you need to um, see like your iPhones wouldn't need a four core GPU okay so you wouldn't have to cut it down and bring it you would have to cut down uh, M1's uh, eight core or seven core groups or four cores two cores even two core GPU should work just fine for an iPhone and the CPU should also be cut down to four or six core stops you don't need an eight core CPU as well So all of that is going to make the M1 chip a little more compact, good enough to fit in your iPhone. Guess what? This is the specifications of A13 that I'm talking about right now. Yes. So Apple has a similar chip optimized for iPhone already installed in iPhone. And I guess A13 came up in what? A12. My apologies. A12 came up in uh, 
iPhone 12 variants and higher. Yes, iPhone 12 variants and higher. So we do have that. So that brings us to the end of uh, M1 and iPhone. They're not fitting in it. And it's just not the right size. It's not going in. Okay, but talking about the technical specifications of M1. M1 chip is known as a system on a chip, SOC. Now what happens is an SOC is that... Um, most of the devices that we have in the market no, now, they have a dedicated GPU and a dedicated CPU, central processing unit or graphical processing unit as they are called, because both of them have different functions. Now, it is very basic that a CPU is used for the regular functions that your laptop is performing, uh, from carrying out calculations to using web browsers to saving data and things like that. A GPU, on the other hand, is used for a lot of gaming activities and, you know, handling that side of content. A little bit of GPU is also used for your video editings and renderings and all of that. So most of these devices have dedicated CPUs and GPUs, which take up a lot of memory. And then you have other little, little hardware components that are handling different functionalities of your gadgets. However, M1 is a combination of that, which means you have integrated GPU and CPU lying on the single chip. And these are not four cores or six cores GPUs and CPUs we're talking about. These are freaking eight core GPUs and CPUs, which is mind blowing. Like it, I mean, unless Apple executed it or very few competitors in the market are doing it. But unless Apple executed it, no, it was a little difficult to process that a thing like that can even exist in the market. It is that amazing. It is, it is, it just blows your mind, right? Now there are variants in the market who do have integrated GPUs and CPUs, and we'll come to that later in the episode. So this is how an M1 chip is different. Okay, we have integrated CPUs and GPUs, and not just that. We also have a 16-core neural engine on the same chip. Now, imagine this one little chip is capable enough to run your entire laptop. But you know what happens is that although majority of the functions are being carried out with the CPU and GPU, there are very trivial functions that your gadget has to perform and Apple has different components with that. That is why it kind of makes up for it. And what we get is a compact, crisp, faster performance, the fastest performance in the market for that matter. Coming back to the technical specifications, uh, M1 chip uses 5 nanometer production process. And when you compare to even the 8 core GPU chips in the market, they have a capacity of 11 nanometers, 9 nanometers, 7 nanometers. So Apple is one of the lowest in that. And uh, this also caters to the power consumption that your laptop is making, it also affects to the performance that your laptop is making. And this is why M1 powered chip MacBooks are known to have amazing battery life. It is beyond power. I mean, this, okay, so I'll, I have been uh, using M1 Air for quite some time now. And this one weekend, I forgot my charger at, at the office. I wanted to work like you cannot just rest the weekends off you wanted to work and I also wanted to watch some movies since that was my primary device I was kind of worried that I may run out of battery but mind you I 
left the office when it was what 90ish percent charged and i used it for a good 13 hours and the laptop did not shut down oh my god like was i can i can i be more impressed right it's all because of this compact chip that we have and seeing the performance reviews and seeing hey you know what rather than me giving you all the details about the chip i'm going to be introducing a little clip here for your reference that will explain you how are uh, these how is the chip better in performance compared to the other competitions in the market all right so why is the m1 chip so important Well, first is the improved user experience it brings to the Mac. As I mentioned, MacBooks weren't behaving like an iPad or iPhone, which is what most users had come to expect from Apple products. But with M1, that's finally changed. Apps launch almost instantly, just like iOS devices. Your MacBook's display turns on the moment you wake it up, just like iOS devices. The battery lasts a full day without having to recharge, just like iOS devices. Users can enjoy a completely silent experience with the MacBook Air since it no longer needs a fan, just like iOS devices. And M1 Max can run iPhone and iPad apps natively, which makes for a seamless experience between devices. But that's just the beginning. The M1 chip also offers a level of performance never seen before on a notebook. Compared to the previous generation MacBook Air, the new M1 model is faster in every category. It's 3.9 times faster at transcoding video in Final Cut, 3.6 times faster in Xcode, and 2.3 times faster at exporting images in Lightroom. In fact, according to its Geekbench scores, the M1 MacBook Air outperforms the 16-inch MacBook Pro featuring Intel's Core i9 processor. That's a $1,000 ultra-portable notebook outperforming a $2,700 high-performance notebook. Enough technical conversations here. I guess I mentioned a lot of technical specifications for you. So to mellow down the episode a little bit, there was a question that I got in one of the Q&As that we did on Instagram lately. And uh, this gentleman asked if all the M1 chips are made equally. Because uh, M1 chip, I mean, we know that it is there in iMacs and iPad and now the MacBooks as well. But are they all made the same way? Are they all made in a similar fashion? The answer is yes and no. See, what happens is that every device has different purposes. Every device is used for different things. And they also have different hardwares, right? This is not just the chip we're talking about. For instance, your iMac may have heating issues coming up, but you might not face the similar issues in your MacBooks or iPads because you don't perform that kind of functions in those devices. Thus, the device M1 chip has little modifications depending on which devices is it being put in, but that does not change its functionality. On the other hand, it is improving your device's performance. So you can call it like customizing the M1 chip for your respective device. I was fairly impressed when I came across the question because to be really honest, until then it hadn't struck my mind as well. So when someone asked it, I was like, oh yeah, I mean, that kind of makes sense. Like you, you, I did not think it to be that, but then I researched about it and wow, <laughs> some different answers coming up to you, right? So how fast are these M1 chips? Now we know they are fast. We know that they are fastest in the market, but how fast are these chips to be considered as one of the best? To give you a little bit of gossip on the matter, 
Intel that these crazy ants, uh, they are known as the Intel versus Mac ants now. And what they did was they came up with the Mac guy. I mean, any any 90s kid would know the difference I'm talking about. If not, we've done we've also done a bonus episode on it. So you can just check it out. Now, Intel was so scared of the increasing competition in the market that they came up with these ads, the Intel versus Mac ads, that were highly popularized and they got viral in mid-2000s because they wanted to prove themselves as better to the first generation of a chip that has just come across. Is is that a right step from Intel to like do this? Well, you know, that's for the marketers to debate and we have a dedicated episode for that. However, this is the fear that I'm talking about. Imagine how fast or how better is the performance of just the first generation of this chip that um, the leading competitor in the market comes out to be mocking, like making a mockery out of it. And guess what the funny part is? M1 hardly constitutes over 6% of the total market share of all the laptops, all the chips that are sold, whereas Intel constitutes more than 40% of the market share. So this is like the biggest market capture getting threatened by a newcomer in the market. Isn't that, that's a valid argument to show how fast is this chip and how crazy have people got in that, you know, the better the performance they might replace Intel in the near future. According to the official claims made by Ample, the devices is known to be, say, three times faster. Uh, the MacBooks are known to be three times faster than the older versions of MacBook, that is the Intel-powered MacBooks. iMacs are also known to be up to seven to ten times faster. However, it was Tim Cook's statement on iPad that drew my attention a little more. And when he announced the M1-powered iPad, he did mention that the first iPad model that came up in late 2000s, yes, the late 2000s, and the existing iPad in 2021, it is 1,500 times faster than the first variant. And that, my friends, is really, really quite a bold statement to make. It's quite a revolution to make. Imagine, like, 10 years in product development and it is... How even, like, how do you scale a growth like this, right? 10 years, 1,500 times faster. Oh, my God. And of course, a lot of um, of course, a lot of uh, devices have done these trial runs. We have these amazing YouTubers. I just seen the beautiful YouTube uh, video comparing the video rendering speeds on uh, the Max. So did MKBHD, and we're gonna add a little bit of snippet there for your reference. Wow! What the heck? was shocking. This new M1 MacBook Pro is really impressive, both in battery especially and performance, and it seems to be even with or better than the Intel version in just about every way, except for the odd dropped external GPU support. And the question mark for most people is how fast this transition will be for most, if not all of their apps to be great, to be optimized. Performance, amazing. Battery life, amazing. And it's just a simple thing. Like if everything is produced in-house, no, you'll know how to function. And I guess that is what Apple is doing because they're producing everything in-house. Now, every component in the house. So they are fairly aware of how 
to resolve an issue and how to enhance the overall performance. This is what has brought in the M1 revolution. And to answer your question that should you be investing in an M1 Air or MacBook at this hour, I would say it's completely your choice. I wouldn't recommend going for M1 Pro. I would surely suggest M1 Air because it is an entry-level model. It is a beginner's model and it is now is a good time if you want to purchase and get a hands-on experience. However, we do have rumors of an upgrade coming up in the M1 chip. It's known as M1X or M2, like different opinions out there in the market. So it was supposed to come up in uh, WWDC. However, that did not come up, which means it is coming up in the next month or two. So if you want to wait for the better upgrade, I'd suggest you wait. When you talk about iPad and iMacs, go for it. If you're looking for an iPad with M1 powered chip, you won't be disappointed. On the contrary, you would be shocked and surprised because a lot of functionalities there are too good to be true. Similar with iMacs, though I am not quite happy with the color scheme that they came up with, but apparently that's Johnny Ives' last designs for Apple. So who am I to criticize the design god himself, right? Regardless, if colors are not bothering you and if you're really looking for the fastest iMac out there, the thinnest iMac out there, then you should definitely go buy it. MacBooks, if you can wait for a month or two, sure wait for it, else you know what to do. All right, my friends, that brings me to the end of the episode. I hope you've had a very simple understanding to how M1 has come up in a better variant and how M1 has gotten the world crazy. And I cannot stress this enough. This is just the first generation. We have better generations coming up a little sooner. So it is going to get bigger and better and faster, more compact, more crisp from here. So stay tuned. If you have any more suggestions to add, then you know where to connect with me. You can connect with me on Instagram or hit me on Shanki with an extra eye. I would love, love to hear your feedbacks about the M1 revolution and what are your thoughts about it. Do not forget to connect with us on our social media channels. We're available across Instagram, Facebook, YouTube and Twitter as iNewsBlow. And if you want all of this content in written format, then feel free to check out our websites. We also have a lot of exciting guides out there, www.iNewsBlow.com. I'm going to see you next week with another exciting piece of content coming up. Till then, stay safe, get yourself vaccinated, do not forget to put your mask on. And this is Hashanki signing off.